On this episode, I'm in the room with Bob Coughlin discussing what it means to be a true worshiper. Welcome to In the Room, episode number 48. I'm Ryan Hughley, and if you're listening for the first time, I'm the founding and lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church just outside Chicago. I'd love to stay connected online, so you can visit my blog at ryanhughley.com. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find all the ways that we can be connected via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This week, I'm in the room with Bob Coughlin. Bob is a pastor, songwriter, and the director of Sovereign Grace Music. He's also written a great new book entitled True Worshippers, Seeking What Matters to God. In my conversation with Bob, we discuss how to best steward the relationship between pastors and worship leaders, what it means to worship in spirit and truth, and why it's so critical that we prioritize gathering for corporate worship. Bob was kind enough to take some time out in the middle of moving to talk about this and so much more. So come on in the room for my conversation with Bob Coughlin. Well, Bob, thanks so much for coming on In the Room. I'm really excited to have you on to talk about your new book, uh, True Worshippers. Uh, I know that you are in the midst of a move today, so thanks so much for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. Nothing else I'd rather do on the damn moving than uh, do this podcast. All right, excellent. Well, uh, I think most people who know you are know you as a songwriter, a worship leader, and a musician and pastor. So tell me a little bit about when you first started to take interest in music. Wow. I mean... When I was a kid, I started piano growing up, got a degree in piano performance, but okay. I was always drawn to, uh, you know, contemporary pop music. And then as I became a Christian in college, freshman in college, okay. and I just started moving all my musical aspirations towards uh, Christian music. So I was in a Christian band called Glad for like late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Uh, they became an acapella group. And then in uh, you know late 70s, early 80s, I guess, I started playing music in the church. And uh, it's grown, and I just I just love it. It's a real privilege. So music led to ministry for you versus ministry yeah. to music. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. And then how did you, I mean, a lot of people probably know that you've been working with CJ Mahaney for a lot of years now. How did you and CJ first meet? Wow. I've known CJ for 40 years. Wow. Yeah. And you guys sound like completely exactly the same. Just so you know, I, I, it's like married couples that you guys have been together so long now that you have one voice. <laughs> well, you know, you hang around someone and you just start to, uh, I assume you mean like mannerisms or, or absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 You do. It's just, it's just unavoidable. Um, yeah, I've known him for 40 years wow. and, uh, I've worked with him as a pastor for 18. Wow. Um, so I, I was going to a meeting, he was leading back in the seventies and then, uh, been a part of Sovereign Grace churches for 34 years. Okay. So, um, yeah, he's had a major, after my wife, he, he's had uh, the most significant impact on my life, uh, as in my love for God and the, and the way I serve his people. That's awesome. I wanted to ask you about that because it has been so many years and the relationship between pastors and worship leaders is often a tumultuous one. And so I was wondering how you've gone about investing in and stewarding that relationship so that you guys have been able to work together for so many years. Like how can worship leaders best invest in their relationships with their senior pastors? Oh, that is such a great question. Um, it helps when you've got someone who is so perceptive as to what should be happening when the church is singing. That's Which is, you know, when we talk about worship, we're really, a lot of us are thinking of the singing. Right. It in, you know, worship is much broader than that. And, you know, as I've grown through the years, I've just seen it to 
obviously incorporate all of life, but in the in the gathering, it's it's the word, it's the preaching, it's the fellowship, it's the giving, it's the prayer, it's all those things. CJ has uh, early on was just an amazing uh, resource for me, instructor, mentor to me, I should say. Um, he would just encourage the things I was doing that he thought were helpful and good, and and then he'd like say, you know, this this won't change in you know, the fact that God worked in the time here, but let me let me just ask you about this or suggest this or, and it's those little things, Ryan, over the years that that enabled me to see how valuable input is. Sure. Um, you know, CJ loves Jesus Christ. He loves the gospel. And that has left the greatest impact on me, uh, yeah. probably the greatest mark of my leadership, at least what I hope to be, is that people go away glorying in Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atonement on the cross for their sins. Yeah. So just through various means, he's helped me with that. But I can still react to things, uh, you know, if he... <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think you should do this song. And and I just realized, you know, you ask, what can a worship leader do? Well, realize that you're not ultimately responsible for the church. I mean, I'm a pastor, yep. but I, I, think, I think the senior pastor has, has an, a unique responsibility to shepherd the flock that he's Agreed. been given in that church. Yeah. So I really want to serve that vision. And if, you know, I might express my disagreement, but if it comes down to, uh, you know, well, I just disagree with that. I want to. I want to not just submit, but joyfully submit to right. what I'm And I've been asked over the years, you know, well, what if your pastor is like just going off in this direction? And then, you know, I say, well, after you've talked everything out, it it may be that you're not supposed to be in that church. Yeah, it's true. Um, that's a hard. I wouldn't recommend someone that you know, someone do that without really having a long conversation with them. But I think pastors and and music ministers, worship leaders, are meant to act as a team. Yeah, they're supportive of one another. They're complementary to one another. They're really both seeking to exalt Jesus Christ and His work in in people's minds and hearts, so that their lives are changed. That's right. Uh, we have the same goal. So the more I see that, the more I appreciate appreciate that. The easier it will be for me to hear something like, "Hey, let's do four songs this morning rather than five. Yeah, that's good. I think I've had the unique vantage point in that I've served in both roles before. I I pastor a church uh, called Redemption in Chicago, and before yeah. planting this church, I was a worship pastor for um, almost ten years, and uh, or a worship leader in various capacities. And so I know the frustrations of being on both ends of that relationship. Yeah. And and one of the things that we've worked really hard at is just to focus on our friendship as well. Yeah. I've had the same you know worship pastor with me now for uh, almost the, la- the last decade. And, uh, and it helps him be able to receive feedback from me and me not to be so controlling when, um, our friendship has been first, you know, in yes. some ways. That's and, you. uh, but I, I think, you know, you're worried about, you know, that we're a team, we're trying to go in the same direction. That's just so important and so helpful. You know, I've been doing a blog, Ryan, for, oh, I guess say almost 10 years, I guess, worshipmatters.com. Yep. The the highest read post I ever did was what worship what pastors wish their worship leader knew. Really? Yeah, yeah, I did a few weeks ago. I was surprised. I just kind of threw it together. I'd been, yeah. uh, I'd done it at a seminar, but it just shows what a uh, timely, um, totally. significant topic this is. And uh, I think too often guys just leave. You yeah. know, they don't they don't work out the the yeah. issues. And as you said. 
pursuing a friendship is is really important and and recognizing that this is Jesus church not ours that's good um, it's also helpful have you written from the other end like what worship leaders wish their pastors would know about them absolutely that yeah. that only got like 20 percent of the views <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If it's yeah. just we got a lot of angry pastors That's around right. here. Just or what? proving that the pastors don't care, apparently. That's so <laughs> that might be part of the problem. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, let's talk about your new book, True Worshippers. Yeah, and I thought it'd be helpful maybe to start with a definition. So we've kind of danced around like the singing thing, that that's not all that worship is. So when you're asked, what is worship? How exactly do you define that? Yeah, it's, I put it as a sentence in the book. I really didn't develop it. Uh, but it's something like, you know, Christian worship, because we're, everybody right. worship all the time. Christian worship, God honor Christian worship is the, um, you know, God enabled response to his revelation. Yes. In ways that exalt uh, Jesus Christ in the power of the spirit for the glory of God. That's good. You know, it's, it's everything we do that exalts Jesus Christ in his work. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a cross-centered man. Uh, Paul says, you know, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't talking about a piece of wood. He wasn't even talking about just one act, but he was talking about everything that was signified by that one act, and that is the reconciliation of sinners to God. Yeah. Uh, you know, he bore the wrath of God against our sins so that we could be forgiven. Yeah. Oh, that's such great news. Right. And so, you know, just as God's people have been doing for thousands of years, we we gather together to remember, to celebrate, to be reminded of, to respond to God's work for us in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so, so I do that all the time. I'm hopefully doing it today as I'm moving. Right. Seeking to bring glory to God, my attitudes and my 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 zeal, my gratefulness, all those kinds of things. So, of course, music is a part of that, but it's not the whole of it. That's right. And I know one of the key passages that you talk about uh, in the new book on worship in the New Testament is John 4. Yes. Uh, and it's in the context of Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman. And in verse 24, Jesus says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And that's been kind of a puzzling verse for a lot of people. Um, and so when you think about those kind of two qualifiers that Jesus gives there, what does it look like to worship God in spirit and truth? Well, let me say what I think most people think it means. I think there's some truth in this. Okay. I, I mentioned this in the book, uh, that we worship God in spirit, like it's authentic yes. and it's, it's eternal. And we worship him in truth, meaning that uh, we worship God for who he really is and according to the way he wants us to. Yes. According to his word. And both those things are true. Yep. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying entirely. I think what he was saying to the Samaritan woman was, you have no way to God apart from me, who, who, who I am the truth. Uh -huh. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Um, you cannot get to God. You know, you used to work, worship in the temple. You think Mount Gerizim, Mount, you know, the Jews think Mount Sinai. Yep. No, God's saying that, and this is just mind-boggling. Jesus is saying to the woman, I'm the place where you are to worship. Yeah, that's good. And unless you worship through me and who I am and what, I, what I'm going to do at that point, uh, you can't get to God. Mm -hmm. And then spirit, I believe, means that we need God's spirit to enable us to, to worship God through Jesus Christ. So, you know, Jesus talks a few chapters later about how, you know, the one who believes in him, rivers of 
uh, water will flow from him. And John makes the comment that he was talking about the spirit that Jesus was to give. Yep. And so, to me, it's a very Trinitarian passage. Okay. Without being overtly so. Right. But uh, the way I phrase it in true worshipers, it takes God to worship God. Yeah, that's good. You you can't we can't just come into a room or, or you know start in our start our morning and think I'm just going to worship God I'm going to see how this goes yeah but no no we come to God through His mercy yeah we come to God through the gospel and that's how we know that He really hears our praises that they're acceptable to Him and that He finds delight in them yeah I liked at one point in the book uh, you wrote our first responsibility as Christians is not to give to God but to receive from Him. Uh, and is that a little bit of what you're talking about? I mean, that's like, what does it look like practically in the context of worship for us to live out that sentence to be receivers before givers? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that is what I mean by what we were talking about. I think it means coming, uh, the way I describe it, it means coming to God either with confession or gratefulness, you know, depending okay. on, on where where we're at in our life, in our yeah. mind, in our, our practices. Um, confession of, you know, God, I've, I've walked away from you. I, I need you. I need you. Yeah. I need your forgiveness. I need your power. I need your love. I need you. Yeah. Uh, and or gratefulness. God, I've been walking in the good of your grace in my life. Yeah. Uh, I have a joy. I have a strength. I have perspective that I would not have apart from you. Yeah. So that that's you know that's a response of gratefulness, but it's a response to what God has already done. Yeah. That's good. Uh one of my uh, the sentences I found the most interesting is you said that worship is ultimately about God, but it's not solely about God. Yes. And and I could see that like some people responding like feeling, "Well, that's a bit of a provocative way to say that." Um so elaborate on that a little bit for me. What do you mean by that that because I think we tend to think like worship is just about God. It's about his glory. And so what do you mean by it's ultimately about God, but not solely about him? Well, if God was a, how do I put this? A single person God. Uh huh. I don't think I'd be able to make that statement. Okay. Um, if you've ever read a book uh, by Mike Reeves called Delighting in the Trinity, if you haven't read it, I would strongly encourage anyone who's listening. Sure. To, we'll put uh, that in the show notes. Um, Delighting in the Trinity, because I think I really saw clearly through reading that short little book how God's interpersonal relationships, Father, Son, and Spirit, caused him to want to spread his love to his to to a creation that didn't even exist yet, yep. to a people that didn't even exist yet. So while ultimately worship is about God receiving the glory, it's also about his repeat his people benefiting from the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And as I worship God, say in a meeting, in a gathering, because that's where most of us tend to go, yep. God is very concerned about using me or whoever, you know, whoever's right. using this person, using me as an individual to bless other people, yeah. to serve them. And so I wrote it that way. And you're picking some of the statements. I think people are going to react to this. People sure, yeah. Um, I wrote it that way because I think there's a tendency in modern, the modern church, yep. evangelical church, to think that, you know, the height of my relationship with God is when, I, when I'm when i kind of on, 
I've closed out every other thought. I'm just thinking about him, and and that's what God wants. I'm just thinking about him, and I just I just shut everybody else out, and and that's what worship is. Yeah. And God makes it pretty clear that you know He saved us as a people, and that just as He is concerned about our edification and our, our, our finding joy in him, um, he wants us to be concerned about others as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, why not sit at home and, and listen to a, you know, a worship recording, watch a video, watch YouTube? Right. Why do we gather? Well, because God wants to use us to bless and serve those around us using the spiritual gifts he's given us for his glory. Yeah. That's good. So ultimately, it's about his glory, but but it involves an awareness of other people and a desire to serve them. That's good. In your chapter on worship and humility, uh, you quote Matt Papa as saying, "We never begin worship; we aim it," uh, which is yeah. awesome. Yes. Um, but uh, but for people that may not totally have thought that through all the way, unpack that for me a little bit and explain why aiming our worship in the wrong direction is so dangerous. Man, you were asking some great questions, let me just say. Uh, before I answer the question, let me recommend two books. Uh, sure. Un- Unceasing Worship yep. by Harold Best. Yeah, great book. And then Matt's book, uh, Look and See, which okay. hadn't come out at the time I, I was writing True Worshippers, but is a fantastic book. Okay. Highly recommended, Look and See. Um, yeah, why is worshiping in the wrong direction so, so, so dangerous? Well, um, it's out of step with reality. It's out of step with the way the universe works. God is God, whether we think he is or not. In spite of, you know, an increasing number of secularists or, or religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, uh-huh. in states, um, God's not threatened by that. He He's still God, Yes. whether yes. people choose to give him glory or not. So, the reality is everybody's worshiping something. Mm-hmm. If you're not worshiping the true and living God, you're worshiping something that's going to lead to death. Right. So that's why it's so important. Yeah. That's why the greatest hindrance to uh, or the greatest uh, contrast to, to worshiping God, true worship, is worshiping idols. Yeah. It's things that we think will give us satisfaction, happiness, joy. We you know, we run after them, we spend our money on them, we, we think they'll we'll find love through them, we think we'll be important through them, whatever. We we go after them, we pursue them because they think we think they'll provide what ultimately only God in Jesus Christ can provide for us. Yeah. Are there any, uh, since I, I would think that we'll have a number of worship leaders and worship pastors that are, you know, specific to responsibilities for the Sunday gathering and music. Are there any common idols of the heart that you see in interacting with uh, people that are involved in the worship end of ministry? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we call it the fear of man. It's the craving for applause. Yeah. It's the craving for glory. You're on a stage and you know, you're on a platform, you're in front of people in most cases. Yeah. And, you know, there's just this thing in us that says, I want to share a little bit of God's glory. Yeah. I want to have a little bit of it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we can cover it up, but it's revealed when we don't get noticed or when someone criticizes us or, you know, our song's not picked for, you know, the meeting or, or whatever. Yeah. We There's this reaction in us. Well, that's 
that's the craving for applause. Yeah. That's the craving for adoration. You know, we talk about, you know, I, I want people's approval. Well, yeah, really, you want their adoration. Right. I mean, that, you want the same thing that you're supposed to be telling people to give to God. Right. Um, which is kind of ironic. So that's a big one. I think, uh, for some reason, purity hmm. is a huge temptation. And uh, I don't know if musicians, you know, obviously David fell. Sure. <laughs> David Bathsheba. Um, it's, it's just the spirit of our age. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, those who are involved in music ministry have to really, they have to be satisfied in Jesus and they have to guard, they have to draw the lines of temptation very close to themselves. Yeah. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll allow ourselves to be tempted, you know, to, to level seven, say if 10 is just outright adultery, Uh, you know, that's that's really sinful and that's really dangerous yeah uh so whether it's engaging in porn or you know second third fourth looks or yeah um you know whatever it is by drawing the line close to yourself i mean you're not even going to take step one towards temptation that's right and uh you're gonna ask for accountability if you need it you're going to uh, most of all be seeking to find your joy and your satisfaction in in jesus yeah, I think especially on that note of about the the applause or the approval idol, that I think that's so common both for preachers, worship leaders. And I was just reading this yes. morning again in Acts, where uh, there's that really humbling scene where you know Herod's up on a throne and he gives this speech, and the people start to chant, you know, the voice of a god and not a man, and God essentially kills him uh, because he did not stop them from doing that. Like he took glory that belonged to God and that's what happened to him. And I think that's a really great passage for pastors and worship leaders, you know, to meditate on (laughs) that. We would never presume to steal glory from God, even if it's the tiniest bit. Um, Man, I just was super humbled by that again today. That's yeah. I totally agree. That passage is very sobering. Sorry to interrupt the conversation, but I wanted to tell you about a new project I'm excited about, and I think you will be too. My good friend and worship pastor at Redemption Bible Church has just recorded and released his first five-song EP called Lift You Higher. You probably don't know, but Scott does all the editing and engineering for In The Room, so if you've enjoyed the podcast as much as I have, we are both indebted to Scott. Lift You Higher is made up of five songs that we love and we believe will increase your affection for Jesus and give you fresh words to worship Him. Lift You Higher is available everywhere digital music is sold, so take a few minutes and check it out on iTunes or Spotify. If it blesses you, we'd be honored if you shared it with a friend or help us spread the word on social media. So when you're done listening to this episode of In the Room, jump on over to iTunes or Spotify and check out Lift You Higher from my friend Scott Holdhouse. You wouldn't find me Even in the eyes of light In the midst of those I know I'm Um, so I know clearly you believe in the importance of the weekly worship gathering. A huge sum of your ministry has been spent planning and leading worship gatherings. Um, and sadly, the most recent studies like continue to show that church attendance among professing Christians is down. Yeah. Uh, and so talk to me and them a little bit about wh- why is it so important that Christians prioritize that time that we gather on a weekly basis? 
Uh, man, th- you're doing a great job. Oh, these thanks. Are just, these are just great questions. <laughs> um, uh, y- you know, it begins with God. It begins with why he created us and what he's after. Yeah. He's after a people. And that's clear from Adam and Eve. He just didn't create Adam. He created right. Adam and Eve. It's already community happening. Yeah. So then you, you have the nation of Israel. And then you have, uh, you know, the early church. And uh, I say in true worshipers, you know, being a part of church, being a part of a church isn't, it's already a settled issue when you become a Christian. Yeah. You are a part of the church. The question is how you're going to work out the details. You know, what, what local gathering you're going to be meeting with. It's interesting. I just learned not too long ago that almost all, every reference of church in the New Testament mm-hmm. is a reference to a local congregation. Yeah. Not not the universal church, not you know the heavenly right. saints. It's it's a local congregation, which means that I have to find some group of people I'm working my Christian life out with, and that begins with a pastor who is shepherding my soul. Yeah, uh, you know I'm I'm sixty, and I, you know I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, but I I still need pastors in my life. Definitely. Caring for my soul. We're just, we're sheep. You know, sheep need shepherds. Um, So, every Christian, knowing that, they need need a pastor or pastors, they need a community where, in which they're working out the, all the one another's of the New Testament. Um, Then it becomes a matter of, well, which, which church am I going to be a part of? Right. Uh, Because that weekly gathering, you know, it's been going on for thousands of years. Uh, it's it has a purpose, yeah. you know. For one, the purpose is to remind ourselves of the gospel, mm-hmm. to be encouraged. Uh, it's to experience the operation of the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in First Corinthians twelve and fourteen, Romans twelve. It's to um, build others up. It's to hear the word of God, so that that local congregation more and more becomes a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So they're built into Christ, and more and more people should be able to see, oh, this is what people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ looks like. And Ryan, it's just more significant than one individual who represents Christ. When you have a couple, you know, even 100, 50, 100, 200, 3,000, 10,000, you know, when you have that many people who are saying, I live for the glory of Jesus Christ because he died for my sins. I'm reconciled to God and I owe my life to him. So if you meet me, you're going to see Jesus Christ in me. That's good. Uh, so that's, that's the church. Yeah, that's good. On that topic of finding a local church, do you think that worship music should be a factor that Christians consider when choosing a local church? Yes, I do. Okay. But I don't think it's the ultimate factor. Okay. And then yeah. obviously my, my guess is that you would encourage people more towards substance and content versus style. Agree? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I, it's funny and I'm living in Louisville right now right? and hope you for the rest of my life. Um, but I've met people who uh, actually be internationals, um, so, someone from Latin America who has said, uh, you know, the, I love the preaching in my church, uh-huh. but the, I just have a very hard time connecting with the music. It's, it's it's very weighty. Uh, it's it's a lot of hymns. I'm not familiar with them, and just, I have a hard time tracking. So when I come to your church, it's still weighty, and I love the preaching, 
but I'm able to understand and connect with what we're singing more. Is that a good reason to come to your church? I said, yeah, I think it is. I mean, you're supposed to be edified. You're supposed to be encouraged. You're supposed to be built up. So that's different from someone saying, you know, I like the the beat at this church. I like the songs at this church. And I like the preaching at this other church, so I'm just going to split my time. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. Re- recommend anyone do that. Agreed. And you know, a lot of on this topic of music, a lot of men in particular feel weird about, to put it lightly, about the singing expression of worship. Yeah. And so, um, why do you think it's so important that we sing to God? Oh man, all these all these answers could be an entire podcast. <laughs> Well, I know that you elaborate on a lot of them further in the book, yeah. but just as, you know, guy listening, standing there, I, I got one guy in particular that every time I turn around on Sunday morning during our singing and he's hand in his pocket, he's not really singing. And I know that he just wants to die and wants this to be over and yeah. <laughs> wants me to get up and preach. So, yeah. so to, to that guy, why do you think it's important that he step out and sing? Well, let me address a, a, a possible, uh, well, a shift in worship music, I think that has happened over the last few decades okay. that could influence guys, and that is because it's become more touchy feely, yeah, feminine. You know, and I think guys have can react to that. It's just like, what, what are you talking about? I, yeah, you know. So I think that can be a factor. I don't think again, a worshiper worships a true worshiper worships God. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what the you know music's doing. Yes. Um, but if someone to say, well, you know, the music's pretty good here. I just don't like to sing. There are over four hundred references to singing in Scripture. Yeah. 50 direct exhortations. Um, in the New Testament, it's described twice. It's apparently something God thinks is good for us to do. Yeah. And he thinks it's good for us to do with others. Now, singing inquires, requires engagement. It, uh, it requires you know the use of your vocal cords, use of your lungs, the use of your diaphragm, it, the use of your, your lips. It's, it's, it's a physical activity which I think is part of the benefit of doing it. You're not just sitting there listening. You are actually responding. Now, what right does God have to, re- to tell us to, to do that? Yeah. Well, he's worthy. <laughs> he's right. worthy. <laughs> yeah, so if someone says, well, I just don't sing anywhere. Okay, well, this is different. Um, this is God. Right. Uh, this is your creator. He made you. He redeemed you through Jesus Christ. He is your life. He is your joy. He is your hope. He is working all things together for the good. Uh, for you, you have, uh, you're looking forward to an eternity of eternal pleasures at his right hand. Are you telling me you don't have a reason to sing? Right. And, you know, it's, it's like, I think over time, people like that need to be gently but firmly directed to God's intentions for singing, yeah. which are to combine truth, to make us feel the truth, if I was to sum it up. It, yeah. Singing helps us feel the truth. Yeah. Um, it's not just head stuff, it's right. heart stuff. Right. And we're told to sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God, which means that there is this element of emotional engagement as we sing. It can take time, mm-hmm. um, and it, it may be that, you know, could be someone's not familiar with songs, could be um, someone likes a certain kind of music, whatever it is. Insecure it about their voice could be. Insecure you know. about their voice, right. right. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but God's worthy. Yeah. And, you know, the more we are freed, well, let me give you an illustration. So we're a church plant. We're, we're three years in. Yep. When we first started, singing was okay. Uh-huh. 
Um, I mean, we had 25 people come on the church plant. And so we were, we were about, we started off about 90, a hundred, uh-huh. I think. And uh, it was okay. Singing was okay. Three years later, Ryan, we really sing. Yeah. I mean, people really sing every week at some point I'll cut the instruments yeah. and we will just sing. And man, it's, 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 it's like Powerful. the roof taken off. Yeah. And that's, that's come through instruction, through modeling, through focusing people on what God has graciously done for us in Jesus Christ and what are the appropriate ways of responding. Yeah, that's good. A couple of I want questions I want to piggyback off that. The first one is uh, is on the topic of emotion. Um, like clearly our emotions are supposed to be engaged in the act of worship, as you just said a second ago. So worship shouldn't be only shoulders up, as I have a pastor yep. friend that says. And yep. at, the same, at the same time, our worship like through songs shouldn't be all emotion. It shouldn't be emotionally manipulative. So I don't even know if it's necessarily a tension that we're trying to hold between the two, but how do we properly steward emotion in the midst of worship through song? You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think as a leader, if I'm talking to a leader, I'm saying over uh, weight, I don't want to say that weight, um, maximize your attention to the words you're singing. That's good. Um, because if, if you, if you do songs with a lot of repetition and a lot of instrumental support and and breaks, it's just going to be harder for people to kind of join right in. Yeah. Um, if they aren't there already now, if, if you rehearse in each song, some aspect, maybe not in every song, but in most songs, some aspect of what God has how God is related to us in Christ. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you talk about suffering and you talk about battling sin and you talk about disappointment. You know, you sing about those things and you talk about them. People are going to get that. Okay. It's okay to be disappointed right now. It's okay to not feel anything, but wow, look at, look at what Jesus has done. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And, and over time, those emotions come, and they're rightly rooted, which is what you want. You want emotions rooted in in the truth of God's word. I say you need doctrinal fuel for your emotional fire. Oh, that's good. That's a great. So you just keep you keep pouring the right. Now, if you put too much fuel on, the fire will go out. Yeah. So you've got to be a wise steward of that doctrinal fuel, but but it needs you know, people need doctrinal fuel for emotional fire. Yeah. Otherwise, just we just we start praising our praise. Yeah. So what what can pastors and worship leaders do to increase the passion in our worship serve, like in our corporate worship? You you reference when you guys first started how the singing has improved. Yeah. Uh, over the last three years, you mentioned instruction being a part of that. But how yep. do you how do you instruct in that? You know, speak a little bit to, I know like when I was especially a young worship leader, I wanted to just like beat everybody into passion. And uh, I, w- I think I was... Uh, I'm sure that really worked. Oh yeah, it works great. People love to be uh, verbally berated and rebuked uh, by the... Worship, by, by Yeah, by the 18-year-old worship leader. Yes. Uh, so <clears throat> how do we do that? How do we increase passion and give, you know, loving, gracious instruction that will move people along in this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. One thing we did was uh, have a couple sermons on it. Oh, that's good. So from Psalm 95, from Psalm 100, um, a two-part series in Psalm 100, 
where you know it just talks about come you know come joyfully with with shouts of praise yeah um and we just talk about it it's like okay what is god saying here how does that apply to us during the um we started our meetings with a call to worship okay which yep, never so used to used to do that and we really wait that call to worship we're, yeah. we're really calling people to worship we're you know we're not saying you weren't worshiping before yep but we're saying that we're god's people together now yep and here's a reason, you know, some scriptural reason to to raise your hearts and affections and your voices to to proclaim how how worthy God is. Yeah, that's good. And we typically include something about, you know, if you're discouraged, if you're struggling with sin, if you're lonely, if if you feel God doesn't love you, you know, just something, just trying to connect with where people might be. Yeah. So we'll do it there. I'll do it sometimes in the middle of the singing. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually have a scripture read somewhere in the middle of singing. Um, and I'll just, I might say something, uh, you know, it might be like, uh, I think this, this, uh, coming Sunday, we're going to start with Psalm 106 verse one and two. So it it would be, uh, I think that's right. Let's see. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, so David says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? So I'll just I'll just share something real brief about that. Yeah. That you know, like sometimes we think we've given God all we got to give him. Yeah. And and he tells us no one can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise. We'll never reach the end of it. Yeah. So brothers and sisters, here here's the privilege we have this morning of of giving God everything we have through Jesus Christ in response to what he's done for us and know that even in eternity that won't be enough. Yeah. And so you just sow thoughts like that into people's minds, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year. Eventually they start to realize, you know what? I come to this meeting to, to really express my affections to God. Yeah. And you're kind of, you know, I've heard people say uh, you're giving people permission. I don't like that phrase necessarily. Yeah. But, yeah. but you are, for some people, they've been taught, don't, don't emote. Right. Don't express anything. Yeah. And you're saying, we're going to be a church where naturally uh, people respond to what they're realizing about the glory of God. Yeah. Uh, that's what we want to see. We don't want it to be weird. We don't want it to be mystifying, mystical. Yep. It's just the natural response of people who who love God because they know He loved them first in Jesus. Yeah. So those are the ways we'd instruct. And then you also got to model. Yeah. Um. You, you know, if if you're not, uh, yeah, if you're not modeling it. All the teaching in the world won't change people. Yeah, and genuinely. I mean, affection and passion are contagious. And I think that people, I I really sense that people can subconsciously sense and feel where your heart's at a lot of the time and whether or not what, if, if, if you're driving for passion because you need the applause and you need the, uh, the approval of hearing people singing louder with you and you need to see that response, I just, that's different to me than then I'm actually enamored and in awe of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. People can sense that different. And I think they follow you differently in the midst of that. And if you're, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason because they're true a lot of the time. And people are not going to go somewhere that you're as a leader, not you have not been. Um, And I just think that's such an important point for worship leaders too. Yeah, I should be interviewing you, Ryan. That was well said. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. I appreciate that, but that's kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
Let me ask so you a couple is- short questions because I really I want to respect your time and I know you got to move into a house. So this is so, so kind of you to, 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 to share oh, this with fun. us. It's really fun. But uh, a couple of things. Um, so f- let's say uh, a, a book or a couple books outside the Bible that has made the greatest inf- impact on you, just as not even necessarily as a worship leader or pastor, but just what book or books have made the greatest impact on you? And we'll list these in the show notes for people. Oh, wow. Well, uh, years ago, Music Through the Eyes of Faith by Harold Best. Okay. Still in print. Actually, it went out of print, then came back in print. Uh, very few people understand the purpose of music in the gathering of God's people, yeah. like Harold Best does. Okay. Um, Desiring God by John Piper. Great book. Um, I was raised a Roman Catholic and thought that... Uh, don't know whether I taught this or not, but uh, I definitely thought that uh, I just had to work really hard um, for, to get God to like me. Yeah. And that if something was enjoyable, it really couldn't be pleasing God. It had to be something I didn't want to do. Yeah. So when John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, I just didn't even, it sounded like Greek. It sounded like, I I didn't even know what he was talking about. So that book had a significant change uh, effect on my life. The Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers by Arthur Bennett since gone on to see the face of his savior um boy i've read that i don't know how many times okay um that has been significant you know i i, I mentioned a book um the cross-centered life by cj great book uh, the book i don't know if the book changed me but the man did you know the, i yeah. just saw him live it out and you know cj was was cross-centered before being gospel centered cross center was like a yeah, thing. Pop, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. So that, uh, really that, that has transformed my life, yeah. my marriage, yeah. my preaching, my, you know, everything about me. Yeah. Um, and, and then engaging with God by David Peterson, that would be one that, uh, again, rocked my world in the nineties and yeah. helped me see that you could, you could study worship and not be a musician. That's good. Um, he's a scholar. And he was just saying, this is what the Bible says about worship. And I think everybody in music ministry, if you're leading, um, and, and any pastor should read that book. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really that good. Okay. And there are a host of other books. I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but those have been the ones that have really uh, affected me and, and shaped my life and ministry. Excellent. All right. Well, let's finish with a music question. When you kind of survey... Uh, there, we, we live in a blessed time where there's so many great songs being written for the church to be able to express worship to God. Who, who are some of the songwriters um, or churches that you are that you kind of see or are connected to where you just are really thankful for what it is they're doing and you could point others to? Wow. Well, wow. <laughs> um, I really appreciate Matt Boswell. Yeah. Uh, down in Frisco, Texas, Matt. Matt is like the non-artist artist. Okay. Uh, he he doesn't like churn out CDs. He's not trying to promote his music, but he's he's written some really really fine stuff. Okay. Uh, some of it with Michael Bleeker and yep. Matt Papa. Um, Come behold the wondrous mystery. I think is a modern day hymn that's gonna has some really enduring qualities. Cool. Um. I think the, I mean, the stuff that Matt is putting out, Matt Redman, 
yeah. his last album. I mean, I'm trying to say stuff that's not wouldn't be so well known. Um, Matt just continues to be a theologically aware, theologically informed writer, yeah. and yeah. a very, very much a gospel man. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really uh, grateful for his things. Dustin Kensrew, yeah. From uh, Modern Post is what, it, what his group is called. Uh-huh. But, you know, part of the band Thrice. He has one album out. Uh, we do three of the songs from that album. Great which album. High- yeah, yeah. It's really, really worth uh, taking a look at. And, you know, truthfully, I have so many CDs in my iTunes right now that I haven't listened to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen I, to a lot of work? Do you listen to a lot of music? I, you know, I hardly ever listen to music for enjoyment except yeah. for soundtracks. Yeah. Um, most of my music listening is to either for, for mixes, you know, projects we're doing. Yep. Um, or uh, with Sovereign Grace Music or things I'm evaluating. Right. So I don't that like takes that. takes the fun out of it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can enjoy it for the moment, but I don't often go back and, and really, really listen to it. Yeah. Um, I, I, Keith and Chris and Getty, they, they've obviously put out some incredible, um, incredible things. Yeah. And I haven't, I mean, I haven't, I know, seen Lauren Daigle's name up on iTunes for, I don't know how long, but I, I have her album. I haven't listened to it. Okay. Maybe song. You know, it's, it's like they're, I haven't, the latest vertical. Uh, vertical Church what, Band? Yeah, Vertical Church Band. haven't listened to that. I, I will you tell know, you, I, you should listen to that one. Okay, great. Yeah. And I mean, different, I think Hillsong has, has been putting out um, better and better songs. Absolutely. Um, which I've really been grateful for. Yeah. They're, they're very clear on, they're clear on their theology, yeah. which, you know, songs teach. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've you've got to be aware that uh, what the words you're putting in people's mouths, they're going to, they're going to remember. Yeah. So let's make them connect and let's make them connect to the word of God. Good. That's great. Bob, thanks so much. The book, True Worshippers, we're going to have links in the show notes and uh, all the books and the music that we talked about. We'll get links in for all that so that people can find it. So I just want to thank you for the book and for hiding out in the closet today and having a conversation with me in the midst of your move. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Ryan. Thanks so much. It's been a real joy. My thanks to Bob for taking time to chat. And as always, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen in. As always, I hope you found it helpful. I'd love to hear your feedback about this episode. So drop me an email at ryan at redemptionbc.org and let me know what you thought. Don't forget, you can stop by my blog at ryanhugley.com for all the ways we can stay connected via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you'll also find any additional show notes that you might want from today's episode. Until next week, I count it an honor to learn with you. I love you and thanks for listening.